What means smart? Smart mean brunette? Smart mean Harvard? Smart mean good? Smart mean lawyer? Smart mean getting job done. Smart mean lots of things. Smart mean bend and snap sometimes. In 2001's Legally Blonde, smart mean Elle Woods. And I love that. Like, totally welcome to A Gentleman's Guide to Rom-Coms. Like, I am a blonde, but I also a blonde in spirit, too, because I'm also bald. So I can't quite go for blonde except in my beard. So that makes me blonde, right? Well, I think it makes you post-blonde. I'm actually not blonde in my are, beard. It's really just gray. Are, are you actually one of the new founding members of the cover band Four used to be blondes. <laughs> uh, How are you, my buddy? You've been sick this week. I got the COVID. Oh, my 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 poor Ryan friend. Are you doing I, okay? I did everything right. I got the I got the vaccines and I still got the COVID. But man, I'm so glad that I got the vaccine because I got hit like a freight train for two days straight. And if I wasn't vaccinated, it would have been worse, I'm sure. But now I'm good, except this lingering. <coughs> Well, that and your carton of cigarettes that you smoke every day. You know when Gandalf coughs on his smoke, his mm-hmm. pipe? That's how you cough when you have COVID. You, you know, I, I think I think his... Um, can you can you hit the cough button next time? Oh, yeah. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Um, I actually like when Gandalf coughs with his smoke because there's something hearty to it. Like, there's there isn't a sense of tinny, like, treble. It's all, like... <laughs> Because Gandalf's your grandpa. That's why we love him. You got you want that grandpa cough, like you know, he smoked during the war and you're you're still a little nervous about everything for him. <laughs> he smoked during the war, and you don't stand next to him when he's been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's when you go home. So Rye, uh, I'm glad that you're surviving. Um, do you want to tell the audience like what your favorite, what your favorite sick remedy is? And I mean for the spirit, oh, because you okay. know you always have to yes, feel better. The yeah. soup that you guys brought us—that's the one I really like. Be sure to get the soup that Kelly drops off. Is that what you're <laughs> hoping for me to say? No, no, your spirit. I'm, I'm talking. <laughs> I'm not talking about soup for your soul. I'm talking <laughs> about like. No, I am talking about soup for your soul, not the literal soup for your belly. Well, I did enjoy the soup that you brought. Oh, up, I'm glad. You. It was it was GF. Well, half of it was GF, the other half wasn't. So Sarah got to eat the GF uh, that is gluten free in your parlance of, of today. So, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a mixed bag, but I still, I still got a lot out of it. But you're asking me what, what not soup? No, like what, what do you do to feel happy when you're sick? Oh, you know, I go to my sick show, which is Thirty Rock. Nice, a little Liz Lemon, a little Jack McBrayer. Yeah, that show I know so well that I can just put it on my iPad, lay in bed all day, not even look at the screen, but always know what's going on. Yeah, I have um, I have a couple of those things. It's where like if you fall asleep, or you you like live in the land of half sleep, you're like, no, there's still there's still a thirty rock blanket all over me, mm-hmm. a sonic mm-hmm. blanket. I don't know what it is, but it really made me feel well, and I mean not completely, but it certainly helped. And if I had you more heard time, it here first, folks, of all the crazy remedies that people have been talking about for COVID, it's not horse tranquilizers; it's Thirty Rock. Well, That's where you want to go. 
But, you know, my sick day movie is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I have to watch that every time I have a sick day. Did you? I didn't get around to it this time. <laughs> but you got to do it. It's because I have a kid, and so I had to like be both a parent and be sick at the same time. Oh, that sounds so horrible. That sounds, as as a parent right now, as a father, that sounds horrible. <laughs> Could you imagine if this hit two years ago, and it was like no vaccines, and you're not sure what was going to happen if you got it, and... You didn't know what was going to happen around your kid and like getting sick with it and feeling like you had to be like quarantined at a like military grade coffin to like keep your family safe. And I mean, yeah, it was no, no, I can't, I can't, I can't even imagine. <laughs> but yeah, it would have been, it would have been even worse then. So it sucks that I got it, but I'm getting through it. So there I'm, you go. I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better. Uh, when, when you're, when you're all good to be seen again, I'm going to come over there, I'm going to hug you. Make sure you're make sure you're okay. We haven't seen each other for like various reasons for the past six weeks because of this. Yeah, it sucks. Like your kid was sick, your wife was sick, you were sick. Well, actually, we've only not seen each other because of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, here's the thing: it wasn't if this happened in pre-COVID times, we would have followed the same procedures because it's not it's not a new thing to quarantine yourself around new babies when you're oh, sick oh totally i i thought you meant like before we had a baby and i'm like no we probably <laughs> no, would have yeah. hung out <laughs> but like even if it was 2019 we would have been like sorry you guys have a baby we're now sarah's got this not covid sick and i've got this not covid sick and we still would have not seen you guys because you got a baby we yeah. care about your baby our baby how um, are you i'm good I'm tired. Robin's more tired, though. Like, I did that thing today where I worked for about 12 hours, but mm-hmm. Ro- Robin Robin had had a worse night, and so I tried to take Elowin while I was working. And as a work partner, she's pretty good. She, like, forgets to file certain reports. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. I, I forgot. Hmm. Yeah. She gets kind of fussy sometimes as well. And there's there's I don't I don't know if you did this ever, but where you're like holding your baby and you're like, if only I had two hands to type with, I would get my work done so much faster. I know. There's this position for a little bit I could have done I could do this where I was basically cradling Theo in my forearms, but I still had my fingers available to me. So I kind of I kind of like held him and had my computer out at the same time and typed. It was the best. I, I don't think I ever had actually Elowin like that because she's so long. Right. It's it's, it's impossible. Like like when you we're looking at all the charts for like how tall your baby should be, she's always at the top. And I'm like, stop it. You're too long. Is she long. 100th percentile tallness? I think she's like 95 now. I think she Good for her. She she's going to be a soccer player. She, maybe a basketball player. So actually. you know that Moses basket you guys got us? She she hasn't reached the end of it. She can't be in it without either A, kicking the wall, or B, kicking her the wall so that her head hits the other wall. Good goodness. She's, wow. She's as long as the Moses basket. Good for her. We miss the dickens out of her. We hope to see her soon. Oh, she's she says the same about you guys. Um, speaking of missing the dickens out of somebody, we have a movie about someone who went to college because she missed the dickens out of somebody. That's right, Legally Blonde, where she became an English major to get up on her dickens. No, that doesn't quite do it. (laughs) Why don't you tell me a story instead of make puns? Okay. Tell me a story, Turk. Let me tell you a story about love, D'Artagnan. 
I ask you about love, probably quote me a sonnet. I'm not much more than an interpreter, and not very good at telling stories. That's the end. What do you mean, that's the end? That's not. It's the beginning of something interesting. Listen, that's the end of that saga. The end. L. Woods. Reese Witherspoon. Has iconic. There ever, has there ever been a more iconic character matchup with the actress? I don't think so. I think you and I have maybe talked about how you have like this tent poles for these kind of rom-coms um, where you have Clueless and then Legally Blonde and then 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah. And then like Mean Girls, I think. Um, yeah. Where you just have all of these movies that are so iconic of their time period, but are also rom-coms. Absolutely. And, and Ryan, had you ever seen this movie before? I had. Sarah made me watch it one time, and I was like, I'll just I'll just tip my hand a little bit. I was like, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed that then. I'm not going to say what my reappraisal is right this second, mm-hmm. but I was just kind of like, oh, I totally underestimated this movie. I thought it was a really stupid movie. And Sarah's like, no, no, it's good. We should watch it. And we did. And it was several years ago. And yeah, she was right. Okay. Like, it should not be underestimated in terms of like, there are, I feel like the, we've we've roundly figured out that the aughts is this weird graveyard of really bad studio comedies. Yeah. I, I don't think, obviously not all of it. There are some real good gems in there. But in revisiting some of these, like some of them felt iconic at the time and now are whatever but um this movie i feel like has held up for so many people yeah and it's persisted as opposed to a lot of films and stars that who have not persisted like i'm thinking of gerard butler movies that for whatever reason were very popular in the aughts and no longer are very popular today or Catherine Heigl movies, which were very popular then, but not popular today, and maybe like revisiting them, but they don't. You're not making twenty million dollar Catherine Heigl movie movies anymore. You're, she's. Are we I making don't know what she's doing? What are we making big Reese Witherspoon movies these days? I mean, she's got a TV show that she's headlining, and these days, if you don't have a TV show, then what are you doing? Yeah, who are you even? <laughs> and uh, I, I'd like to inform everyone that she is currently preparing, at least. They're not shooting right the second, but they are currently writing Legally Blonde 3. So there will be, once again, the Reese Legally, Witherspoon assance. Can, can I, I, I know you have Reese's ear, so can I propose like a, a subtitle? Reese, babe, check it out. Okay. I, I'm thinking Legally Blonde the third degree. Oh, huh? 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 I love it. And it's where she becomes a teacher. Right. And then she gives them the third degree. Yeah. Well, there's also like a criminal case at the same time that she's working on. I huh? love huh? it. Okay. Uh, you, you hit me up, Reese. Um, so sh- we get introduced to this very bubblegum world. Uh, oh my this, gosh, the this intro college, is this Los is so college. strong because yeah. like the voice of it, it's just even from the first shot where it's just literally blonde hair being like we're as close as you can get to blonde hair without smelling the peroxide. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, by the way, you are in a place with 
white blonde women who are super rich at this college and like this is the world of fancy and free and cheerleaders and jazzercising and everybody's beautiful yeah and it's such a strong move for like this kind of movie totally um and the first time i watched the movie i remember thinking like okay the aughts were a thing they were really into it these days but now it feels like even more a like no this particular director was making a particular choice here like he wasn't he wasn't following any kind of trend he was being like no no i want you to get something about this and we get we just get that west coast sorority life is very distinct as to harvard east coast post-grad life is very yes. different things uh this this movie um made by an aussie actually oh yeah robert luketic mm-hmm. he's not that much older than us in fact when he made this movie in 2001 he was 28 dang yeah lucky little lass lassie aussie <laughs> <laughs> do you need a smoke break no Okay, you're good. Yeah. Sorry, um, COVID cough. So we we open in this movie at a um at a I and I feel like I'm gonna let down the audience with how like I knew so much about Mean Girls and I I just know so little about the lore of this movie and I feel like I was about to say the sorority that she's a part of and I'm like oh I forgot what it was called Delta New Delta New Thank you I'm so glad that you're here because Delta New I feel like this movie deserves me knowing that about it (laughs) yeah there's there's you're right there this is a very like lore like i love it when rom-coms kind of have lore and like mean girls is like one of the top lore driven movies same with 10 things i hate about you and clueless probably of like there's a world and Mm -hmm. there is like you need to know about the specific peoples and groups and mythos and histories that take place in the story and and would you would you call that this film because like right when it opens up I I would almost call it I wanted to call it farce but I feel like it's satirical but yeah. I feel like it's neither part of this movie it starts out very satirical and then it just kind of loses interest in being a satire and just focuses on the characters which just right out of the gate I'm going to say that's fine because <laughs> like I like Elle Woods and I like what Reese Witherspoon is doing so I'm like me too you, you don't need to you don't need to keep doing the satire I wish you had but that's that's okay yeah I, I think it it keeps kind of the tone of the satire if not the writing of it yeah at the beginning you're like oh the saccharine world where it's just filled with people that are like all about their president getting engaged to this guy and then like she gets slapped down to the real world spoilers um, and the the flavor changes but the tone kind of is slightly similar yeah so what happens is the we get this opening credits montage where this like card is being signed by all these sorority sisters and it's going to l and they're basically celebrating that she's going on this big date with (laughs) warner her longtime college boyfriend imagine anybody getting excited for you this much about anything I, know. I don't think I had this many people excited for me to get married, you, right. let alone go on a date but I where I was going to get proposed to. I think that's completely intentional where oh, yeah, completely. It, it's showing this like it's it's kind of skewering 
the outside looking in at sorority life of like you guys get excited about anything (laughs) (laughs) which is i didn't go to a school like this so i can't really comment i didn't know anyone that was in a sorority did you know anyone in a sorority yeah so i knew um i knew people who were in sororities who were in uh wsu which was um, Washington State University, which was like a two-hour drive below our school. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were only people that I knew from high school, you know? Right. Did you, like, see them be these, like, a version of these sorority people that deserved skewering? Never, I I can say, a much, 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 much toned-down version of this, yes. But, like, they're not, (laughs) they're not trying for reality here. This is hyper-reality. Or not hyper reality. You, yeah, you know what I mean. it's making fun of these these girls, these women, but it's not doing it in a way of like, aren't they stupid? It's just kind of like, oh, sororities. Like it's yeah. just it's just it's, having it feels fun like it's with in it. good fun. Yeah. It, exactly, it's good fun. It's not saying it's not misogynistic. Where another filmmaker could have made that simple mistake. Um, the the two ditzy friends that she has, um, I kind of hate. Well, <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel about them? They're whatever. They're they're stock rom com friend characters who don't don't really matter. And I knew they were just gonna kind of evaporate after thirty minutes because or less because they have no bearing on the plot. So I'm just yeah. like, play your part and I'll see you later. Yeah, but one of them is a non blonde. So she's our first of our four non blondes that um, oh, we're gonna okay. collect throughout our movie. Okay. And she's like the only one in the <laughs> sorority who is not blonde. Um right. And then um, she goes out on her date with um, her Warner uh, Warner. And as far as like a uh, what like he's kind of an evil Bellamy, I would say. Would you say or is he just a uh, hot Bellamy? No, I'm going to say hot Bellamy because I want to hear Robin do the thing. Ooh, hot Bellamy. I love it. I love that drop so much. Um, but he's played by Matthew Davis, who who I guess is a hottie. He he kind of plays your standard basic, like I'm a hot rich guy dude. Yeah, he's basically a Kennedy. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a Kennedy that has maybe less money and right. Yeah, but like he's got he's got intentions, and right. that's what and he his, tells L. Yeah, every everybody in his family's been a senator, and he's he's like. <laughs> He's he's the Gary Sinise of this film. Um, <laughs> I must die in the Senate. <laughs> um, but he takes her out on a date, and like you can you can tell pretty pretty quickly that like she's expecting him to propose, but he's going to break up with her, and yeah. he does. And I love I love the choices of this movie at the beginning because like. I thought so many things were going to happen that didn't happen at this dinner because they're at a restaurant. And what's the number one rule that we've said? Uh, like we've only come up with one rule on this podcast. And what is it, Ryan? Get drunk. Don't No, That's I mean, I, I'd say that's more a guideline. Oh. Um, don't break up with someone at a restaurant. Yeah, please. Yeah. This is a is a big mistake. And he decides to do it. And it's extremely embarrassing for both of them. Don't do this. Reese Witherspoon is so fantastic. This scene is probably the one I would show at like her Oscars and I'm giving mm, her mm-hmm, I'm giving mm-hmm. of all the movies she's ever done, I'm giving it to her because of Legally Blonde. But really, as silly as that sounds, I think there is something to it because there is something that's very Marilyn Monroe esque about what she's doing. And we also need to say, 
hey, you need to take Marilyn Monroe seriously as an actor because if you've seen anything like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes or Some Like It Hot, we realize that Marilyn is a stupendous actress. And even even in her early roles where she's doing a lot less, like uh, All About Eve or something. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Like she she knows what she's doing when she's playing the part you expect of her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and this, this ditzy, like put upon sweetness that Reese Witherspoon is bringing to the table as well with us as like a very low level intelligence. And I I don't mean low level as in it doesn't exist. I'm saying it it's kept under wraps. Yeah. 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 This, this undercurrent of smarts and it's, it's a role that I was like, Oh, this could have been a Marilyn movie. If you know, it, if this script was floating around, they would have given it to Marilyn and she would have been able to pull it off too. Right. But I'm glad it's Reese mainly because they would have had to dig up Marilyn's bones, but I'm I'm glad it's Reese because there's something, there's something whip sharp about her mm-hmm. that um, I think is different than Marilyn. Um, yeah. And regardless, the the thing I like about these scenes is she is offered a ride home, and I was expecting her to be like no, mm-hmm. and then she accepts, and then like you know they're having a conversation in the car. And I'm expecting her to like freak out or something. And she's just like containing everything. And then as soon as she gets out of the car, I'm expecting her to like slap him or I'm expecting her to like yell at him. And no, he just drives off. Right. That was surprising too. There's so like, it seems like not a big deal, but there's so few times where I'm watching movies like this, where people make the surprising choice. Yeah. Like directors. And so I was just like, this is, this is great. Yeah. You wouldn't think that in this kind of movie. Yeah, I, I like the I like the move where he's like driving alongside her and he's like get in the car and she's like no, and he's like you ruin your shoes and there's like this little micro wait, wait. I I love how he all of a sudden turned into that one guy from Die Hard give him the car give him the car, him the car. <laughs> yeah but she she has this like micro acting where she like considers it she's like. I will get in the car because he does have a point. I don't want to ruin my shoes, but I'm not going to talk to him. Like there, you can see mm-hmm. on her face, like she's like, "I'm going to keep my pride, and I'm still going to get in the car." I'm like, yeah. "You are going to keep your pride." For for somebody who is so extravagant in her choice of style, she is oddly practical. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So characterization, just great. Yeah, I was glad that they didn't do um, that when she got home from the date where the sorority is like, congratulations. Oh, that's also what I was expecting. I turned to Robin. I was like, I thought there was going to be a thousand people there. And then she was going to cry or, you know, yeah. Um, which wouldn't have been the wrong choice. It just would have been something that we've seen a bunch of times. It would have felt like a scene we would have to get through. We were just like, yes, she has to now explain what we, the audience already know. Uh, Yeah, it's true. But we could see, I think what, what, if if you were going to try that, you could see what she's like when she breaks, maybe. Right. Um, yeah. Well, but, we'll see her broken in the next scene. Yeah. Where she's watching soap operas and she throws her chocolates at the television. And it's dumb. But it, again, at this point, still kind of a farce. Yeah. Um, and then she ends up um, going home. And I love this scene because it's the one of the only two scenes we get with her parents. Yeah. Where it's kind of a um, the graduate scene. Yeah. Did you get graduate yeah. vibes? Yes, yeah, totally. Yeah, 
And and she's just like in the pool and swimming around and she's super rich and she doesn't doesn't know what to do with her life. And her dad is carrying this martini. Yeah. And he's trying to explain to her, like, you don't need to do anything. You're just hot, baby. No. So what happened is she already has figured out, like, the reason she got dumped by Warner is because he needs mm. to have a serious girlfriend. Because right. Because he's going right. have a serious career. And Elle's just not serious because she's too married. He wants to get married to Jacqueline Kennedy or somebody. Yeah. And I'm glad that they make the Marilyn reference because it's like, yes, this backs up my theory what i just said yeah. uh-huh. um, totally and so she's like ah i have a plan i'll go to harvard and i'll win him back and this is an interesting plot device which is tricky to pull off where your main character has a goal that we do not want them to attain yeah not only that but we don't want them to do it and also it's improbable that they could yeah not just because of her character but just because it's improbable that anybody could. Because, like, we we have already realized that Warner's a dick. And we're we're over Warner. We're like, okay. no, do not go back to Warner. Over. Over it. But she's like, no, I got to I gotta get Warner back. And we're like, no, go to Harvard, but just don't get him back. Get anyone, <laughs> anyone else, please. Um, yeah. Like, but for some reason she she does that thing and i think this is also still in the land of of farce where and it's almost a comment i feel like it's hard because i feel like rom-coms at the same time as this movie was made you had characters who was doing this and so maybe it was just so prescient but where she's just like i just love him because i know that we're supposed to be together right and there i think there's worse rom-coms where you have somebody who knows that and then they like realize through a set of circumstances that, you know, oh, he's actually evil. And but they they wouldn't have shown us that right. earlier, whereas this one, we know he's evil. And then we just get to watch her discover it. And yeah. not because of plot contrivance, but because she gets confidence in herself. And that's how she discovers that he is bad for her. Yeah, and it's 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 the rule of the Bellamy where it's just like we all see through the Bellamy immediately as soon as yeah. we get to the movie and the whether main character doesn't. Whether it's because he's so paper thin and beige that you can't help see through him or it's that he's so like he doesn't have a soul and so you see through him like there's there's a bunch of different kind of Bellamy's and I, I think this one serves its purpose pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was unique for a Bellamy. Yeah, and so... She goes to her parents and they're like, you don't want to go to Harvard. You're too beautiful. Just enjoy life being beautiful. And she's Drink like, martinis like me. And I, I loved I loved just the look of it. And that just kind of backed up the satire. And it just felt like it was skewering the privileged. Just yeah. all yeah. over the place. Just the privileged to be like, just enjoy being beautiful and don't try hard. Then she applies. She like works on the LSATs and um, gets better and better at those. And we have a montage. Um, but part of this montage is her acceptance or her application video that she makes yeah which is there's this one shot where the camera is craning over the pool towards her and she's sitting in this hot tub i believe and the shot and it's and it's funny because like the shot is done on like a camcorder record cam right screen so what i have to imagine happened is that some friend was like because like I, they're in they're in C L A U. It's like U C L A, but mixed right. up. Um, had like got a crane over into her backyard. Oh, but, did you not but, hear the line? No, a Coppola directed it. 
Oh, <laughs> I didn't hear that line. Yeah, okay. L, L is like, I even got one of the Coppolas to make my admissions video. Oh, okay, great. That okay. that is the canon, not the head no, no, canon. Lo- that is the canon. I love I love that then because I missed that. And so what I was imagining was this tiny, you know, like yeah. a tiny HDV cam. Totally. Or it would have just been a DV and like hooked up to, yeah. <laughs> to a giant crane. I wish they did a scene with like Jason Schwartzman as like the Copeland. That would have been and great. Wouldn't it? And meta. Uh, so next time, guys. Next time. But she gets in. She gets in. Uh, there's a great scene with the admissions office with our with one of Portland's one and only Ted Rooney. Ted Rooney. Way to go. Ted Good Rooney. to see you, Ted Rooney. I so love seeing him. Like Hometown hero. Robin and I did a double take. We're like, is that Ted? And then we paused, like we paused it so that we could see him. But then Amazon popped up, and it was like, "That's Ted Rooney." And I'm like, "It is Ted." Yeah, to you, uh, you normies out there, he plays, uh, he plays Maury on Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. So yeah, among other things, I think this is the second time we've seen him in this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows what? But good to see him. And I just like they're like, well, we do want to be more diverse. And me watching this movie, I'm like, yeah, you fuckers, like, let her in. Yeah, yeah, but like, I love how they're like, more diverse is extremely rich white woman. Sure, <laughs> sure, but like, it's it's a step up from like only men. Yeah, I guess. But this feels like 2001 talking to 1960. Right. <laughs> you know, but that's fine. Well. I mean, in in the early aughts, we were really just asking, like, can beautiful women be treated well? <laughs> and I say that, I'm like, what do you mean? But but it's just kind of like this movie is saying, do not underestimate the blonde in heels. And we do. We I think this movie succeeded because yeah. it's been 20 years, and like we haven't for 20 years. It's and so it's hard to get back in that head headspace. Yeah, I, I love that question. Can we treat beautiful women well? And I think. The answer is yes. I think what this movie is asking is, can we expect people who are beautiful or have outrageous, something outrageous to them? Can we respect them as somebody who could be smart? And uh, the movie's like, por que no los dos? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what we get, right? So let's let's move on with the, the plot. So she goes, she does all the any initiation stuff and then you know runs into warner and she's like oh good to see you and does the like you know whatever i don't care but you know we should totally whatever well the the entire time he sees her he kind of does that ex-boyfriend thing where he's like oh oh see you know i'd still like to sex you up but i mean we're not together right because he's surprised, he's surprised at first, but not so surprised that he doesn't like schmarm up to her before his girlfriend Selma Blair shows up. Yeah, and so we meet Selma Blair in one of her classes that's being taught by the wonderful Holland Taylor, who's such a tough teacher that brought me back to academia. It made me think of my ethics teacher, who was just as tough, and just remembered, God, it was the worst when you had teachers like this. Yeah, and so yeah, she like really destroys L and sends her from the class. That's I mean, it's one thing to get destroyed, but to be sent out of class, that's humiliating. And you know, there's something about this scene where she like asks um Selma Blair the same question and it gets answered and she, but she like knows her by name and it felt so elitist. So yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, when they kind of make this teacher like kind of 
have a hero moment where she's like, you go get him, girl. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I don't like you. Um, well, I mean, didn't you have this experience in college where you had a teacher who was like in class, just unbearably tough on you. And then you like met up with them in person later. And they're like, and you're like, why are you being so nice to me? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I did. Um, but you know that, that that's what i i but that I doesn't mean that doesn't mean that i also weren't like hey fuck you still <laughs> no 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 i i'm saying it makes sense to me at least in my head canon that holland taylor would be an absolute ice queen in class but then outside of class but see this is what i mean though she wasn't an ice queen to selma blair she was like oh i'm great job miss and so it's like she was just an ice queen to this blonde girl from california i guess yeah, I, I, I felt that because this is a weird thing to compare it to. But I, I remember going to, of all classes, my Hebrew class. <laughs> and it was the exact same situation where it's like the prof on the first day was asking all these questions and all the other students knew the answers. And I was like, guys, it is our first day. How do you know all this? And like, I still to this day don't understand how these people knew the these like level one hebrew things because it's not like common knowledge to just have hebrew lying around in in your knowledge bay you you, they they just kind of knew it and so i'm like yeah i can i can feel that where for some reason the professor expects everyone to be on a certain level and then the one student who isn't so i got it yeah you know no i I, no i i totally get that that was my um that was my uh calculus class where um they they were like this first week's gonna be review and then like the entire first week I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know any of this. How is this review? Yeah. And so I just I quit the class. Um, yeah. But I, I felt very much for Elle in this moment. Yeah, definitely. And then she meets Luke Wilson, who's like kind of a, he's like your roguish older TA. Yeah. Who and usually ends up being the bad guy in movies like this or in TV right. shows where it's like, Oh, you think this is the good guy because they like befriend you early, but you're going to find out they're the bad guy. But I don't right. think you can make Luke Wilson the bad guy. No. And my wife tells me he's the more attractive of the Wilson brothers. My wife said that during this movie too. <laughs> you almost did a spit take. I, I, uh, sorry, I was in the middle of a, I'm drinking the manliest scotch right now for this movie. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, and I don't necessarily disagree, but I don't want to say that to Owen. Owen's a very attractive man. I know. He's Hansel. <laughs> yes, you're right. He is Hansel. <laughs> I mean, it's not Zoolander and Luke Wilson. Wait, you do Zoolander know he's not actually Wilson. Hansel, right? Like in real life? Oh, I thought that was kind of like a docuseries no, kind of no, thing no, they were no, doing. No, no, no. Um, oh. If that were the case, then David Duchovny, he would be well known for his hands. I mean, he's a, he's got amazing hands. Well, you know, in Californication, I've seen him do amazing things with his hands. So uh, <laughs> I actually uh, haven't seen that show. <laughs> anyways, Luke Wilson is like, hey, you know, you'll be OK. And he's, he's he gives very, her some tips and tricks. Groovy. Yeah. And so, yeah, she, we meet some other classmates. We meet um, I'm looking at the cast list. His name is Robert Paulson. Um, R.I.P. Meatloaf again. Yeah. Sorry, Meatloaf. Hope hope you enjoy your bats in heaven. <laughs> um, bat bats into heaven tour because <laughs> yeah because he took his bat out of hell and he he wung it up all the way to heaven and he and he packed it in his bag and he said we're going to heaven boy. <laughs> uh, we've got Dorky David who plays a dork. And oh yeah 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 her cadre of of um, misfits, which it's a very like. 
we met the sorority sisters and now we're meeting their like um whatever you I, call I feel them. like this is where the satire still lives is in these characters yeah, yeah. And, and now we're getting to more just stock like uh there's a dorky character and like a well, stuck up character I, I feel like these no these are the ki- these are the characters that you see like these are this is them making fun of um the the people you'll meet at Harvard Absolutely. the five people you'll meet at Harvard you meet the multi um uh, degree guy which is david and then you meet enid who is like the post lgbt you know uh what was her thing she was no i think she's she, feminist studies no i'm gonna tell you the trope. what was her thing i'm gonna tell you the the car- caricature she is she's the quote-unquote angry lesbian right right right, right. yeah Ra- uh, robin and i were like ah this is 2001 <laughs> <laughs> but i mean the points that she was making were still things that we make fun of in today's like um, post universal uh, graduate studies kind of conversations of like breaking down the words and when when words are ah, being yeah when she breaks down semen she's like uh, this is a patriarchal word and which is totally college talk we were having ten years ago and it's totally like talk that's still happening today and it's just kind of like. Good intentions, guys, but can we move on to something more important? <laughs> I'm going to actually look up, because I, I, I was watching this, and I was like, you know what? I have an etymology dictionary from uh, Oxford on my phone. <clears throat> Semester. Because she in, in the movie, if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? But she breaks down semester as being from the german semen and so or uh, so let's see if uh let's see if what it is <clears throat> yeah fact check this joke for us okay semester from german semester half year course in university from latin semestris in sursus semestris course of six months mm. from semestris six months lasting six months six from sex equaling six mensis being months this has nothing to do with semen Unless you're right. Unless you blow I, your load every six months. I I think you broke the joke, Kelly. Way to go. Well, I thought it was a I thought it was a stupid joke. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the humor they're going for for her, because I feel like the satire is getting less pointed and more just kind of like generic, like ah, people in college. Yeah. Yeah. You got your people and they all got to make their points and stuff. Um, and like nobody likes nobody here at college. I'd say respects um, L because she doesn't know that much about law yet um, because it's her first day. And then on top of that, and she does know about law because she passed her LSATs, but she, you know, doesn't know as much as them. And she's not as serious. Like she, you know, she hasn't been doing good for the world already. And again, like coming back to your point from earlier, it's weird that we have a protagonist who's not the one who's emblematic of what you should be necessarily. Whereas like all these people are like doing good for the world and have like high IQs or something. She's an underdog by way of her self-involvement, but we're rooting for her. Think of how weird that is. Yeah. Well, it is weird thinking about her as a character in today's culture and, you know, then it was kind of like the like clueless with you know the shares that were out there it was like oh there's just this generation of dumb women who won't be able to contribute anything but i feel like today it's like the the poster of privileges white women of like we we laud so many stories about them of like when white women go missing you know there's there's a media circus about it but we don't talk about all these other forgotten women and 
it's it's just kind of like like I said before, it's hard to take hard to take that she's not getting taken seriously seriously mm-hmm. because today she would be just considered the most privileged out well, of all of these people. Well, I and I think what you what they're doing here that makes it good um is that they don't f- focus a lot on that. What they focus on is a feelings like a heart versus a brain. Right. Right. And what what Elle has going for her, as opposed to everybody else who might have a head start on her brain, not necessarily brain power wise, but like focus wise, um, she actually has something in spades that is kind of this integral kindness and humility. Right. And maybe understanding or truth as well but she's she's very west coast about things yes she's just kind of caring and just you know she believes in people whereas uh your selma blair as vivian who is dating uh warner who's like our villain for the moment she evil bellamy yeah she's cutthroat she doesn't care about people she will go through anybody to succeed whereas else the opposite yeah and it's funny because really the only thing that we see her do that is like that like she doesn't let her into the study group and she like tries to one-up her in class a couple of times but the only actual thing that she does to break l down is she invites her to the party and says it's a costume party, which this is a trope of this genre. It happens in like every 12th movie where somebody's like, oh, yeah, there's a party and it's a costume party. Wear a costume. Um, mean girls. Have mean girls. Um, no. Um, she just dresses in a normal costume. Um, that's well, that's what I like about it. It's, it's a the twist same joke. It. It's the same joke. Yeah, but it's a twist. Sure. It is. But it is. It's the same. It's the same like, oh, we feel bad for our character who didn't understand the thing. But the reason why I like it so much in this is because she just keeps it on the whole time and she's not embarrassed by it. Totally. She she owns it. Yeah, she owns it and she owns who she is. And this is why we like her. It doesn't matter if she is rich or poor or, you know, what her circumstances are in life or what she believes in other than that she believes in herself and is true. Yeah. But over and over in this movie, we just see her not getting taken seriously anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's having a bad day, and so she goes to uh, get her therapy, which is Manny Petty's. So she goes to the town Manny Petty. And she meets Jennifer Coolidge. And what a day it is to meet Jennifer Coolidge. (laughs) Because she's amazing. Yeah. I like Jennifer Coolidge playing a downtrodden role. Yeah. I know she's really good at playing like I've been beaten down by life. Yeah. And so we learn about her in a span of like a couple minutes of like she got kicked out from her dumpster of a of a home from this terrible dude and he kept the dog, which is just the worst sin you could possibly commit. And But in the meantime, there is Bruce Thomas, who plays the UPS guy, who has the like biggest chin and hottest ass uh, in town. You can also reverse that and it would still be true. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Um, I think he keeps it tight in the back. He does keep it tight. Tight like a tiger. Tight like a tiger indeed. Yes, you are tight like a tiger. There's this subplot where she like wants to talk with him but can't. And then Elle like over the course, like she helps her get her dog back. And then she also, there's this weird scene in the middle of the movie. I want to know how you feel about this. Like really, I want you to be honest and tell me how you feel about this scene where Elle teaches everybody how to bend and snap. 
Bend and Snap is the epicenter of rom-coms. This is where everything went and from where everything now proceeds. It's the Bend and Snap scenario. <laughs> what? No. What? <laughs> I don't know what crystal meth this movie started using when this scene started, but it's like, just keep going. Just keep <laughs> keep going. And the first time I watched this movie, I like turn to Sarah. I'm like, what is going on? Is the movie having a stroke? And she's like, it's, it's Bend and Snap. Like there's, this is the, these are the scenes where, like I've talked about in the past when it's movie night with the friends group, these are the movies that I was secretly voting for in my head when we were picking a movie and the girls were saying, let's watch Legally Blonde and the guys were watching, let's watch Black Hawk Down. And like, I, I, I felt pressured to vote with the guys. And so Black Hawk always, Black Hawk Down, Black Hawk Down won. But I was really sad that Legally Blonde didn't win. But sometimes these movies would come through and it was always just kind of like, these are the girly scenes that I've just kind of want to know more about. What was what was going on here? Why why do women just love this scene so much? And Sarah's just like, because we do. I was like, okay. Now, I think there's something wonderful about the whole idea of, of, of the bend and snap. I think it's a bad move though i think the bend part perfect and i think if you're going to snap back up i think you do it i i don't think it should be a snap i think it should be a what is the word that like what it would be if it was slower and less dangerous well, it's it shouldn't be dangerous in the first place. That was Jennifer Coolidge's first mistake. She made it lethal. No, I think it's lethal regardless. I think I think it's a bad move because I I, th- I think people around you can get hurt. <laughs> it worked. Well, you got to be aware of your surroundings when you do the bend and snap. Okay, but like, what is it? Okay, so the snap it it well, like I want I want to break down practically what it's good for because obviously when you're bending down, you're getting the attention of people around you by showing the curvature of your hiney. Now, the snap, especially with the arms, because there's this T-Rex thing that happens, mm-hmm. like, I I don't understand what the T-Rex thing is good for. I guess it's for pushing out the chest, but I think there's better ways to do that. Don't, don't make you look like you are, you are really, a T-Rex. Are you really arguing against the advice of Elle Woods here? Like, you're really saying this is not good enough, what Elle Woods is bringing to the table? I am. And I don't think I'm the only person in the world that thinks this. People, please write in if you agree with me. I think there's a better second half to this move that L, being a 22-year-old at this point in time, just hadn't found yet. I don't know. The bend and snap works for me. And the bend and snap scene also works for me because it's just like, I don't know what you're doing, but you got to be doing it the way you got to be doing it. That's that's a very dumb argument that you just made, but I'm not going to fight you on it. <laughs> it's it's like it's like there the there's no other movie that could have done this scene, if that makes sense. So you're saying it must exist? No, it's just that I buy it and I don't think it breaks the movie whereas it would break other movies if there if a scene like this went on and on and on. I don't I don't say it doesn't I don't say it doesn't fit. I think it fits in the movie. I don't like the how the how, how long move. it goes on because it turns into a michael jackson video i know it's weird <laughs> and i i like this is what i mean where the 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 tonal shifts in this are sometimes like oh we're serious we're serious we're serious okay now somebody's doing a break 
Like they're breaking out and doing like break dancing. But I kind of like it when I get to turn to Sarah and say sentences like, this movie's weird. Like, no, I'd I mean, rather I, have that instead of a not commentary. Ugh, now now I feel like a stick in the mud. I like scenes like this. I just for me, this what what you had here was the last cupcake. You know, like you have four cupcakes in a pack and you're really hungry tonight. And you're like, I just had like a big scrumptious dinner and I feel like a big scrumptious dessert. And so you eat that first cupcake and you're like, "Mm, that was a good cupcake. But you know what would be really good? A second cupcake. And so you take it and you eat it and you're like, "Mm, okay, I think a third one will really fill me up. And then you do it. And then you're like, well, okay, there's only one in there. And I know next time. I have cupcakes. I'm going to want two of them. So I'm just going to finish this one off because we're here already. Yep. That's, That's what this ex- felt like. And I don't appreciate it. Yep. I mean, it's it, you just defined it as like, this is the fattest scenes uh, in terms of like, <laughs> if there's anything to trim, this is what you would trim. I don't but they hate. Don't, so. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be a, a curmudgeon about no, it either. I, it's I like, great. I I'm, I'm, glad, it's, I'm glad it's here, but I'm, I'm I, half, I don't I'm like it. I'm half agreeing with you. I'm just kind of like, it is strange. It's not great. But it's it not is strange. Bad. It's not horrible though, because the rest of them it 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 fits enough in the rest of the movie. They're like, okay, let's move on. <laughs> but all, it's also memeable now. Like you could say, oh, the bend and snap scene, and people would know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. Like no, there's I mean, some true. There's something that defines the movie, and this is one of the scenes that does it, and it's what gives the movie some memorableness. I think what it felt like to me was a scene from like The Mask, where yeah. it's like. Now Jim Carrey's going to go crazy and teach everybody how to dance. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Okay. But it, it, it culminates in Jennifer Coolidge doing the bend and snap for UPS guy at a later time. And, and breaks his breaks. nose. Yeah. I, I love all the scenes between her and UPS guy. I wanted to watch a movie just about them. If anything, the bend and snap was a setup for the actual bend and snap that she does, because I guffawed when that happened. Because I was waiting for the snap. I was waiting for the snap. I knew it was coming. Yeah. And I love that the pacing of that joke, too, because she drops something like realistically, but then she picks it up without realizing that she needs to do the bend and snap, drop something else. And then he comes to help her. Like, it's just it's a good one to punch. And we're like, ooh, bend and snap. Come on, let's do this. And you're like excited for her. So you bend and snap. The whole movie, though, culminates in this. There's this running thing where um like you know the four people who are going to get the end of the year internship with um the guy who built the titanic um (laughs) oh i wanted to come up with some kind of bingo scheme for our podcast because he has now been in two movies in a row mm -hmm. i feel like there needs to be a thing where if we have an actor that's in three movies in a row there needs to be some kind of like bingo special of like, or like a tic-tac-toe thing. I think there needs to be a punishment for yeah, us. Yeah, like that needs to like trigger something of like, oh, you've mm. watched three Victor Garber movies in a row somehow. Like the fates have decided. <sighs> you and, got like, Garbered. Yeah, so we need to like have something happen. If you have a movie where three movies in a row have the same actor or actress. Okay, uh, let's put this to the audience. Okay. What should our punishment be? Because I feel like it triggers something. Yeah, yeah. Come up with something. It's it's if we ever get like a movie with the same actor in it three times in a row, or like maybe the same plot three times in a row. But it's it's like when you were playing pinball and there's like three little like ducks in a row, and you like get the first one, the second one, and the third one, and then the pinball is like, oh my god, I'm gonna drop all these pinballs on you, and you're like, ah. 
<laughs> oops, oops, all Victor Garbers. <laughs> yeah, just I'm going to drop all these Victor Garbers on you. So yeah, something tantamount to a bunch of pinballs coming out of her face. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it, audience. Get back to us. Yeah. So he Bend is, and then snap. And snap. He he's got a course and an internship, and he's working on this murder trial, and he's picked the four brightest students, and it's what do you know, Warner, Vivian. Uh, L and Enid, the what did you call her? What was her type? The angry lesbian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're all they're all interning on this murder case where the 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 criminal in question is Allie Larder, who plays Brooke Taylor Wyndham, and she turns out to be a sister of Delta New, and L kind of knows her. Yeah, and we like. There's like she killed her husband is the whole reason she's why she's accused. The, of she's accused of it. Husband. I'm sorry. Yes, innocent till proven guilty, Brooke. Yeah. Um, and then we like she she doesn't have an alibi. And then L through knowing her and going to visit her and being the empathetic person she does gets her to confess that the reason why she can't tell everybody her alibi is because her whole life is set up on all of these workouts. And unfortunately she gets liposuction. And so that would ruin her, her like life and reputation. And, mm-hmm. um, the, <laughs> like this, this is where the farce comes back in because the idea of somebody saying, no, I would rather go to jail for, however many years then just admit that i i need help get right. looking the way i want to look right and uh, it just it, really backs up the west coast image thing of i'd, yeah. I'd rather die than people know this about me yeah and and it's it's funny because like i think this was very like late 90s early 2000s thing where like image was such a bigger deal and also like doing something to make yourself look away is I, I think it's still looked at as, you know, kind of like, it, I don't know, not as, uh, it's not looked at as ugly as it used to be. I think plastic like, surgery I, today, spirit. I think plastic surgery is absolutely way more accepted today than it was 20 years ago. Way more. And so, like, m- maybe this this fits because it's just like something that is like, if you do plastic surgery, it's either because you want bigger boobs or you're starting to look bad. And so you're you're doing something for vanity's sake, which even if you are doing it for vanity's sake, whatever, that's your own business. Yeah. But um, like so she doesn't want to do it. And Elle respects her wishes. And there's this great scene where Elle won't tell Victor Garber what the alien or the alibi is. And Warren's like, come on, just do it, whatever. Just and, tell her. And then this is where Vivian who's dating or who's Warren's fiance right now is like, Whoa, I don't respect Warren, but I do respect Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. There's a scene where she goes into Elle's dorm room and they like have a conversation and I was waiting for the boot to drop of like, no, she's stealing something. Yeah. Yeah. But that never came. So that was good. Yeah. This is another surprising moment. Uh, what was, there was a moment where Warner just basically, she has a moment in this movie with Warner where he's just like, Oh, it's but at the L, party. He's like, "L, you a dumb-um, dumb-dumb." Yeah, like, but, but you but you know the brain in your head not good, right? <laughs> like what does he say? It's something like, L. "Come on, you're never going to get the grades to qualify for one of those spots. You're not smart enough, sweetie." Wait, am I on glue or did we not get into the same law school, Warner? Well, yeah, but But what? 
We took the same LSATs and we're taking the same classes. I know, but come on, Elle, be serious. You can do something more valuable with your time. I'm never going to be good enough for you, am I? It's funny because he says it in a way that he thinks isn't mean. Right. Where he's like, thinks he's doing her a favor by saying, look, just be real. Like, you got to be real about yourself and your capabilities. Yeah. And L.L. Woods is like, fuck that. I can be who I want to be. Yeah. And she's like, did we not get into the same school? Did we not both take the LSATs? Did we not, you know, hit all these marks? And later during this conversation with Vivian, we find out that Warren got waitlisted and he's the privileged one. Yeah. His dad had to get him in. He's and you know, this movie was like, hey, you know, who's really privileged white men. Well, rich, rich, (laughs) influential white white men. And it's like, yes, 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 we are. (laughs) Well, I'm not rich, but or influential. (laughs) But but. when 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 daddy calls the university. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's how he got in. And it's just like, um, you know. We already thought so little of Warren, but now we think even less of him. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, things happen, uh, yada, yada, yada. Victor Garber hits on Elle. Things go. Elle thinks she's going to quit, but then who talks her out of it? Luke Wilson's like, don't do it. Got to work for it. It's going to be fine. Just stick it through. Is it is it Luke Wilson that says oh, that? Other encouragements. Yeah, there's like lots of people that encourage her. Jennifer. Well, Coolidge. no, then she is going to quit. But then Holland Taylor is at the yeah. uh, at the Manny Petty hair salon place, and she's like, "Don't you dare!" I would have liked to see Holland Taylor's like outside of work outfit be like super done up or something. I think that would have been fun. That would have um, been interesting. But anyway, so she decides not to, and. Brooke, since she has a good relationship with the accused, um, is like, I'm going to have you be my lawyer. And I just yeah. assumed that this was legal because they go into this whole thing like, Me is too. this legal? And they I was like, like really, sure, whatever. They yeah. had to do a lot of hand-wringing about them. I was like, you know, this is a movie where you've gotten away with so much. We don't need to worry about this. Yeah, but I I think it, it like the fact that they did worry about it set us up for appreciating the seriousness of the court. Right. It's I guess. a much more serious courtroom than in The Preacher's Wife, where you could just bust <laughs> into any courtroom you wanted to. Yeah, and be like, hey, get this guy off. And Listen the, to the me, judge. Is judge. Like, the judge is like, fair enough. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, and the um, like, we have this great like sequence of scenes where Elle is the... Like, you know, the, the savior of Brooke. Um, now... I, I will say that there, there is this scene where um, basically the like they're they're trying to damn Brooke via reputation by having the pool boy say that he slept with her. Right. And the the way Elle finds out that he's gay is that he comments on her shoes. Right. And this is very typical of the like early 2000s, late 90s, where it's like well, I was offended by this scene. Yeah, why, it's like, you're gay, thus you know everything about fashion. Yeah, but I, and it's just like, Sarah, okay, to be fair, Sarah has taught me a lot about fashion, but I've gone to learn about fashion on my own, too, and I was offended. I was like, do not do this. Yeah. Do not put people in boxes like be, this. Yeah, because, you know, straight men know nothing about fashion and gay men know everything about fashion. Is Like, I'm the one who told Sarah that Andre Leon Talley passed away. I was the one who had to break the news. Like, I know who that was. Okay, 
Okay. Okay. Yes. You've you've made this about you. Good job. <laughs> and if I saw someone wearing some Louboutins, I would know. So let's not do this. On that note, I do think that this could have worked as both a joke and a plot point without being offensive. Can I try to rewrite this movie? Or just the scene? The scene. Yeah. You write your first draft with your heart. And you rewrite with your head. Okay. So the way this needs to go down is L because of her knowledge of things like fashion needs to figure out that this character is gay. All right. That is the premise of this joke. Mm -hmm. The reason it doesn't work and is offensive is because he's angry at her because she's tapping her shoes. And so he turns around and is snappy and sassy at her and comments on her shoes. And so she's like, Oh, since he knows like what I'm wearing, he must be gay. Right. This should have been something where L noticed all the designer clothes that he was wearing uh-huh. and then was approaching him because she thought he was rich mm. or like th- that he was getting a payoff of some kind for this because everything was really expensive and then found out through entrapping him or through like a mistake he made in the conversation that he was gay and then shared that information mm. because I think if she had lawyered him. In a way, it wouldn't read as so offensive. Wait, did we figure this out? The friend Devil Wears Prada, who like knew all the fashion stuff, did we figure out if he was gay or straight? No, it's just uncommented on. Okay, well, in my head, it's it doesn't matter. Like yeah. there's a there's a guy who knew about fashion stuff, right? But in this movie, it matters because he has to be gay in order for them to like prove that he is you know had did not have an affair with brooke right but it's kind of doesn't matter at all because the real lawyering and this is where it's like okay this is where you 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 know you clinch it is that we get linda what did you call her curly cardellini curly cardellini i love it and she's got this huge perm and like her she's like my grandmother just died and the entire rest of this movie is going to be about it yeah and her her whole thing was like, oh, I was in the shower when I heard the gunshot. Mm-hmm. And Reese was like, you were in the shower. You were in the shower when you heard it. She's like, yeah. And this is where the lawyering goes. And I don't know if this is actually true, but she's like, you would not have gotten a shower because of chemicals in your hair because of the perm. I, I think that's true. I, I, I'm assuming it's true. There's my ignorance. I haven't looked into perms, but hey, I'm a bald man. Why would I need to look into perms? <laughs> and um, on, on the flip side of that, um, there's the whole scene where Luke Wilson is cross-examining um, the the pool boy. And uh, he, he gets him to admit it. through. He, he just lawyer. fast talks him until he asks him what his boyfriend's name is. And then he says, Chuck. And then we have the scene where Chuck's in the audience. And when the pool boy denies him as being his boyfriend he storms off in a in a rage and uh-huh. it's 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 pretty dumb but, but you know you could have cut those scenes because it doesn't it didn't affect the overall outcome that's, of the that's trial yeah i i completely agree like i was trying to save that joke but it doesn't even need to be in here yeah like yeah. if i was at i mean i don't know the movies that it's like running short at 90 minutes I'm like you guys can still cut five more minutes like well yeah it's, yeah you yeah i agree this. yeah um but that's where that's where we're like, that's why you got to have L 
in these settings. You have to have someone who kind of knows these things, and that's why you do want a diverse court. That's why you do want your lawyers to be diverse and your judges to be diverse, because they're asking questions that you wouldn't ask because you don't have that life experience. Yeah, exactly. And that, that means people from all walks of life and experience. I think this is a really interesting topic to bring up. And I think the rest of the movie is something I would like to talk about in Trope Talk. Okay. Welcome back to Trope Talk. It's like interlope talk, but you actually belong here. <laughs> so stupid. So the, <coughs> the, uh, the trope that we're going to talk about today is, I think we're going to call it wrapping it up in text. Yeah. Now, this is basically where a movie ends and... You know, you want to, like, by the end of it, you want to know so much what happens to these characters. Like, don't you want to know what Sam's life is like after everybody leaves and goes to the Havens? You're like, well, what's Sam getting up to? Come on, sure you want to know. And in this movie, we're like, hey, don't you want to know what Elle is getting up to? And so the movie, in a very superficial but satisfying way, tells you by just putting up some cards and saying this person sucks this person they got without like we we like this is this is one of those movies where the romantic comedy doesn't necessarily exist in the movie right because like luke wilson is the love interest but he never comes close to getting with l right. we just know that they're gonna fall in love and yeah. it's like this background feeling. And the movie's like, I don't actually have time for this because we're dealing with Elle Woods. This is Elle's story. But we know you all want this to happen. And so we're going to tell you that they dated for a couple of years. And tonight, Luke Wilson's going to propose during this last scene where she basically, you know, graduates with honors. And, and it's weird. Whatever. The title card drops and it's like, he's proposing dot, dot, dot tonight. I know. And so you're like, is the second movie going to start off that night? Who knows? We'll have to watch it. And I haven't done any research on what the second one's about. But I feel like there's your rom-com because that that phrasing of he's proposing tonight made me go, ooh, like I felt like warm and fuzzy for them. Exactly. And I think this this was probably made, I don't know if most famous, but um, in Animal House. Yeah. Um, so in at the end of Animal House, it's, I don't know if, if it, this happened a lot in other movies of the time and Animal House is making fun of it, but very famously, like, there are no good endings at the end of Animal House. Like, Animal House is the best time of these people's lives because, like, you know, it, they're like, this person got divorced right. and this person died doing this. And no, I think I think the protagonists had nice endings. I think. Oh, did the they? Antagonists just got. <laughs> I, I don't think, think one so. of the bad guys the, got shot by his own men is one of the is one of the the cards oh okay um but but i know i know that the the lead two characters who are falling in love it's like they get divorced two years later yeah but (laughs) Um, this one this one's not the case this one's happy and i but warner they like really kill warner (laughs) they're like yeah warner dies (laughs) wait what is it it's like he he does like he gets dumped and never marries and is sad like it and, gives yeah, him yeah. like a very like want one like you know 
he wasn't the stock villain that he was until this final scene where you really made him just the full villain. Ladies and gentlemen, Ralph Bellamy, always the friend, but never getting the girl. But we're so right for each other. I know. This is just like my grandmother's China. I'm surprised. I didn't expect. I don't. You don't love me. No, I, I just have to think about it for a minute. Think about what? I wish you could just accept knowing how confused I am about all this. She will be mine. Oh, yes. She will be mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but what does this what does this do for us, Ryan? What is I mean, it's a kind of catharsis, right? Yeah, it wraps it up nicely in a economical way in a movie that we don't want to do another 10 minutes. Like I was saying in Titanic, I'm like, I would have been happy with another 30 minutes with Rose, but I would not want another 30 minutes of Elle Woods being like, okay, so the next two years went like this. I'm like, no, just tell me that you graduated. I don't need to know anything else. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, I think it's the, the mark of a good movie. If you enjoy these end wrap it up credits, mm-hmm. um, because if you don't care, then the movie definitely didn't do its job. Right. And I think this was actually a reshoot. I don't think they had written the scene originally. I think it just ended with them winning the case. And I think test audiences were like, wait, what happened after that? Like, did she graduate? Like, did she end up with Luke Wilson? And they're like, oh, good point. So according to the IMDb trivia, she, Reese Witherspoon, shot her scenes in London, somewhere in England, and the rest of the cast was in L.A., and they shot it. In well, they're all tight. They're all like in cowboy shots. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But we wanted to see UPS guy and Jennifer, Jennifer Coolidge together. We want to see. Luke oh, Wilson and this happily. is the other scene with the parents. They're yeah. back and the dad is still holding He's the martini. martini. It's brilliant. Move. And love it. And, and, um, I, I, it wasn't the second to last shot in the movie, but I wanted it to be because it, when you're filming the second or the last shot of the day is the martini shot. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I, I just thought that would have been funny. But um, yeah. And so I, it's a good movie. Ryan, what did you think about this movie your second time through? I liked it. I I wished that it leaned into its satire throughout the whole film. Uh-huh. And I would have given it much higher marks as a like, this movie should be watched by all kind of thing. But now I'm just kind of like, this is a great rom-com for our podcast. So recommended. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, um, because I would have liked it either way if it leaned more into the um, the satire or if it did away with like the heavy handedness of it and just made it like a serious comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I still think it's really good. And I think part of me not, you know, giving this like a five star rating is mainly because I don't have nostalgia for it. Right. And I think like Mean Girls, like. Um, clueless. I think if you were in this time going to college, this is your movie. Yeah. And I missed out on that. And that makes me a little sad, but I still really liked my time watching it. So I'm glad it was on our list. I'm nostalgic for the era that this is evoking because there's the title song. Sun's up. It's a little after 12. Make breakfast for myself. Well, I 
this is the kind of music that made me think, oh, this movie, like I had this complex growing up where I was like, Legally Blonde is not a movie that a young guy should want to seek out to see on his own. Sure, if he's taking a girl out on a date, he can go see this movie. But this mm. is not a movie for boys. This is a movie for girls only. And if you're a boy wanting to watch that, that's not allowed. And luckily, we're in a much better place, both me personally, but I think culturally, where it's totally allowed. And like, if you're a boy, absolutely, goddammit, enjoy this movie. Um, but this was the kind of like bubblegum thing I was wanting to experience more. Ooh, especially because of all the pink. Yeah, <laughs> but it was just kind of like I'm. It makes me nostalgic for this time because I remember wanting to watch this movie but not mm. having the courage to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Well, now you do. Look yeah. at you, you changed man. Yeah, look at me. I'm a man. Real men watch rom coms. Ryan, if you had a dog, because I know that you've you've never had a dog. You don't even know what dogs are. Um, <laughs> nope. But if you if you had one, what kind of dog would you would you want? Um, probably whatever the dogs are in Bluey, you know, because that shows so good. Australian Shepherd. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are pretty cool dogs. My grandparents have one. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, well, I just I bring this up because Elle has Bruiser, a Chihuahua. I like Bruiser, um, and I I love the scene where Bruiser is watching the uh, Yokiero Taco Bell. Um, yeah. He's like Yokiero, those dogs. Yeah. Um, Los Perros. Um, ah, uh, you know, if I had to pick. A dog, it would probably be a big dog, but if I had to pick a dog that was like big enough to carry around like L carries bruiser around, I would want it to be Eddie from Frasier. Ah, I'm trying to remember what was the dog that Paris Hilton was was Oh, it's a Chihuahua. Yeah. Who did it first? Um hold on. Who wore it first? Yeah. <laughs> um when I'm going to look this up. When did Paris Hilton get her dog? <laughs> uh, I think the internet was made for this moment. In September 2014, she, oh, as a Pomeranian, she bought the smallest Pomeranian in the world for $13,000. Wow. That doesn't really answer our question. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No. Um Paris Hilton proudly shows off her $8,000 teacup chihuahua. I don't care about this. Like, I I wanted Google to give me a straight answer, but it didn't. So screw it's you, Google. It was about the same time. Was it? Do it you felt know, like do, it. I don't... Here, what, what was... Uh, let me just... Sweet, she what, had a show. She had a show with... Uh, sweet, like, sweet Life of Paris and, <laughs> and Paris Cody. Paris Hilton <laughs> with... Um, that Nicole Richie. Nicole Richie person. When was that show? <laughs> that one Nicole Richie person. Uh, wow, she doesn't have them. Oh no, she has fifty nine credits. Uh, okay, well she was in Zoolander in two thousand one. I have to the, find her in Self. Oh the, my gosh, two hundred sixty four credits. Wait, so this is the show that Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton basically went to places where people didn't have as much money as them, and were like, "How do the poor people live?" Yeah, yeah, I remember this. This is, this is. Oddly, not the worst time in our history, but it was close. <laughs> Why can't I find it on IMDb? Uh, Paris Hilton TV show with... What was her name? Nicole Richie. <laughs> <laughs> the Simple Life. The Simple Life. That's what it 2003, was. 2003, The Simple Life. 
and okay so l did it first i'm gonna say yeah she totally stole l's look <laughs> but not her chutzpah no um well ryan uh i think this is about the time where we talk about our chutzpah and we go on can we can we call this section something can we call the section where we talk about like our patreon and like our let like we have our letters segment we have our rom-com oscars rom-com oscars um what 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 is our section where we're like hey come on over to patreon is it come come on come on down hey come on come on down to the patreon barn no that sounds like i'm gonna kill you what is what is the one what is what is our thing I don't know, what but it, I, what, what should it be? I like hearing you flounder. It makes me feel good. What should it be, though? What should it's, it be? It should See, be called. You're the, supposed to be yes ending me. It's the Patreon segment. No, like that. The dumb, dumb, dumb and cold. Dumb, let's let's do dumb. something. Let's do something that L would be proud of. Oh, how about the fabulous Patreon? How about the pink Patreon palace? Ooh, the alliteration and color. The the perfect pink Patreon palace. Sure, just for this month at least. Okay, well, we'll figure something out. Again, audience, if you have any suggestions, because we're bad at making our own show, please Save help. Them all. Um, so for Patreon this month, I mean, we're doing this movie because all of our patrons decided to vote on it. And if you, <laughs> too, want to come over to our Patreon, you can check out our bonus episodes. Sure. You know, we did PTA's Licorice Pizza this month. But well, Ryan, that, was, that, that was last month. This month, we're doing Gilmore Girls Season 3. Are we? Yeah. Are we? We are. Are we? We are. Are oh, we? Are we? We are. Okay, we are. We We're going to sure do Gilmore are. Girls season three. But um, on top of that, we also are doing this month's patron movie, which is what we're going to do at the end of February. You and get to vote for it as a patron. And the patrons basically demanded what the topic was this month. They demanded adventure romance. Yes. So the Thank options... you, Stephanie Simmons. Thank yes. you, Melanie Sims. Thank you, Rachel Foskett. All of you were like, adventure <laughs> oh um so the choices for you this week are romancing the stone mr and mrs smith true lies and fool's gold all good is there one that you're rooting for mm. i'm rooting for true lies very very good i'm gonna root for romance in the stone i that was one of those movies that um we had on recorded vhs and i watched on like sick days mm. Mm. yeah I haven't seen that's the only, no I haven't seen romancing and I haven't seen fool's gold. <sighs> yeah, cuz everyone's seen fool's gold. Uh well, if you want to go check us out, that is uh, gosh, I'm yawning. Sorry, we're both dads, we're both tired. Here's the thing, the the poll right now, I just checked mm-hmm. in. We've got a 2 and 2 tie. Um 50-50. Oh, already? Yeah. So People have got, started voting? We got 50% for romancing the stone, 50% for true lies. So, if you oh, guys want to okay. tip the scales, if you want your movie to win, just go to Patreon slash romcom gents and make come it to so. our Patreon, Pink Patreon Palace. Mm, yes, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, Mister <coughs> Wayne, come to the Pink Patreon Palace. Well, that's our Patreon, which brings us to the biggest question of the night, Kelly. What is your romcom Oscar? See that I did have to be quiet on that one. That one makes sense. I can't wait to come record at your house again because these last like six weeks that we've been recording, my child's been asleep in the next room. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's rough. Um, Rom-com Oscar. I mean, we are past 
Devil Wears Prada, right? Was that this season or last season? I guess that was this season. That no, was, that this was season. definitely this season. So I, I I can't remember what I gave that, but I feel I must have given it like best fashion or something. Did I? You did. You you gave you gave it um best costume, I believe. I mean I I'm gonna just go for it and give it best actress to Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon? Very yeah. good choice. Yeah. You know, she's fantastic. Looking, I'm looking at IMDb right now, and I'm just a little upset at the 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 day and age this was in, where her body is so photoshopped in the poster, and it's right next to the trailer, which is the the film itself, and she's wearing the same dress, and she looks like a normal human woman, and it's just like, come on, guys! Like, I think it's getting better in poster design, but oh it's my just gosh, like, it's absurd. Ugh. She really looks like a Barbie in the poster, and it's like she looks phenomenal in the movie you don't need to do that which it's funny that you say that she looks like a barbie because if 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 they leaned harder into it for the poster and this movie was more farcical and they like gave her a plastic sheen on her body yeah that would be interesting but as it is it's gross (laughs) yeah but yeah love reese witherspoon I, I, I've explained on the show before, I've locked eyes with her in real life, so I just want to say, Reese, if you're listening, good to see you. So, does Reese play a bad guy in Election? Uh, she plays this role. It's kind of oh. hard to tell who's the bad guy in Election, but she's amazing in Election. I, I So, I've never seen Election, but I really, really want to. It's incredible, and she's the best part of that movie, too. And that's okay. a movie with Matthew Broderick, so that's, so that's saying, saying something. something. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Well, my right guy. Well, what's, I, what's your I, I think, Oscar? I think my Oscar, um, I was thinking about best, uh, maybe I should give it to, um, Reese Witherspoon for best supporting because I really think she supported herself throughout this movie. Uh-huh. But, um, I'm going to give this, I think I want to give this best romance that wasn't there. Yeah, totally. Because, when her and Luke Wilson are acting with each other, I think they have wonderful chemistry. Uh-huh. And I I feel bad that I don't get to see their story. And I have no idea if they're still together in the second one. Um, but like, it, it's just such an interesting thing to me that their romance wasn't explored in this movie. I'm glad it wasn't. Yeah. But I'm so glad it was there. Well, this is when people would come to us and be like, actually, it's not a rom-com. It's a chick flick. Because this is what they mean when they mean chick flick, where it's as girly as can be in terms of topic and in flavor. And there really is no romance other than what you just said, but we don't see any kind of romance. And so I would understand if someone wanted to call it chick flick, even though we kind of detest the terminology mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. place but yeah. is there like a equal opportunist way to call this a chick flick i i th- well hmm N- no <laughs> i don't think so i think like the the term chick flick in and of itself is kind of a i think it exists in kind of its own bubble oddly enough yeah so i but i do think that this is because of American society being how it was in 2001, I think it you could have expected mainly women to see this movie. Right. But I think 
And I mean, it's, and it's a bunch of pink. It's like, why is why are guys going to go even see this girl who's like all pink and it says legally blonde? Like, right. what is that even about? Right. And I think now, especially we're interested in, you know, narrative because it shows perspectives that are not ours. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I think, um, I don't think there's an equal opportunity word for that, but I think we've had an equal opportunity revolution for you know, people to go experience this movie, even if it wasn't maybe initially made for you. Well, one of the things I like most about this movie is how girly it gets. And like yeah. the bend and snap scene is a good example of that. It's it's a it's a strange, silly scene. And not Speaking s- of gay stereotypes, though. <laughs> God, that, like it was perfect until that guy shot. It's like, no, 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 no. Please don't, don't. <laughs> but like I said before, it's like I like I like being I like witnessing these things because it's 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 different for me it's it's not what i'm grew up with it's not what i'm used to and so i like being around it and i like i just like this movie's girliness what can i say see see, this is why i want to watch like a a movie like the babysitter's club with Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. because that is girly in a completely different way right where it's just these are girls growing up in this time and are faced with this situation yeah where whereas this one is like i'm going to steep you in this odd fem it's it's like it is a strange feminine power scene yeah and i don't mean strange as in like what a weird scene it is that but i mean like l knows this strange secret of feminine power yeah it's like it's like when you're at your friend's house and there's a cosmo sitting there on the coffee table and you're waiting for everybody you're for whatever reason you're by yourself and the cosmopolitan's right there and you're like i guess i'll look through this and you kind of enjoy reading the cosmopolitan when was the first time you read a Cosmo? Um, probably like sophomore year of high school when I was hanging out with a bunch of ladies. Yeah. Mine was sophomore year when I was dating a junior. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, these are fun. Yeah. Yeah. And and I took the sex test. And? My favorite position was, <laughs> I mean, I can't remember. But I think this that it's an interesting thing this movie does where it's like the Bible and it's a Cosmo. Whereas if we were watching mm-hmm. The Devil Wears Prada, the Bible is Vogue or Runway, you know. But it's like, it's like this version of like her ideal is the cosmopol- cosmopolitan as opposed to Vogue, which is like a different, different flavor of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I enjoy it. Yeah, there's a lot wrong with Cosmo, but I <laughs> I appreciate that Elle likes it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let us sit here both together for a second. And then I'm going to have you ask me a question. Okay. Let me give you, let me give you a second. <sighs> Kelly, who would you fall in love with? Are there any circumstances in which uh, the two of you might be more than just good friends? The truth of it is I loved you from the first second I met you. <laughs> but mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close. Not even a little bit. Not even at all. You have bewitched me, body and soul, and I love, I love, I love you. I know. Thank you for that. I mean, obviously it's got to be Elle. Yeah. Like she is, she is the hero of our hearts in this movie. She's Reese Witherspoon. So she's charming, darling, whip smart and sexy. And she fights for others, and I find that maybe the most attractive of all. Mm. Um, it was weird. Sarah doesn't act like Elwood's at all, but the whole movie, the movie just made me think about my wife. 
and I don't know why. Um, because you've met Sarah. Is she anything like Elle? What am I doing right now? What is what is this? What is this? I don't what know. Is this? I don't what know. Your hands are over your eyes. I was asking you a question. I know. Um, no, Sarah, I don't. Sarah's a professional. So in that way, she's like Elle Woods. Sarah, I think in every other way is probably, uh, you know what? I bet Elle Woods and Sarah would talk about celebrity gossip together. That's the thing they would relate to. But for yep. whatever reason, Elle was reminding me of Sarah. So this week I'm going with Selma Blair because I like the prep look. You know what? There's something about Selma Blair um, that is so uniquely Selma Blair. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Cruel Intentions? No. Okay. Her look in that movie feels like the look in this movie, except she has more power in this one. Right. And um, if you look at her IMDb page right now, she has kind of a like a frosted blonde look. Yeah. And I didn't recognize her at all oh. because I only know Selma Blair as this look from this movie, from all the other movies that she was in right. at this time where right. she looked exactly like this. Yeah. I always think about her in, in, in Hellboy. I'm always like, yes. Your oh, my gosh. Man? I like, you know, I like a, a gothy Selma Blair. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, well, okay, Ryan. I think that leads us right over to what we're watching next week. And are we, is, is next week Valentine's Day? It is. It is Valentine's Day. All right. As, tr- per, as per tradition demands and dictates, it's a bromantic comedy for Valentine's Day. What's up, bro? <laughs> and we're going to be talking like this the whole time. Not what? at all. So we're picking one of our joint favorite movies, favorite movies of all time. Wait, wait, what, 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 what is it? It's With Nail and I. Thank you. Thank you for that <laughs> wonderful buzz. <laughs> With Nail and I is one of the great cult classic comedies out there. You probably haven't seen it. You probably haven't heard of it. But we're going to make the case that you should see the movie, please, and listen to our personal thoughts and feelings on it. Please, please go watch this movie. I'm not going to say it's the best movie of all time by any means. I do think, though, it is an unsung hero for so many reasons. And mainly on Bromantic Comedy Days, Ryan and I watch movies that make us happy we're friends. And... We have a, a very special bromance, which is why we started this podcast. And this movie is very emblematic of our bromance because we've seen it together, what, like 15 times? Yeah, I don't at know. at least. It's just very Ooh. special. Ryan, um, if you were going to tell the audience what they should drink as they watch this movie, what would that be? Oh, well, the perfect way to watch this movie is the way that I watched it is you have to watch it on a Sunday morning very early. You have to get kind of tipsy or drunk or if you don't drink whatever version of that would be for you like having too much sugar or something you got to wreck your body in some way i i yeah i would say that the night before you should give yourself the slightest bit of a hangover because you don't want to go full method watcher on this and get the kind of hangovers they have but you need a little bit so that the hair of the dog of whatever you had helps you enjoy this movie yeah so the night before either if you drink some kind of concoctions before if you don't drink have some fatty food or something that like is good for you but you're kind of regretting it in the morning you know Mm -hmm. kind of thing and then wake up super early in the morning like i like to get up at like 6 a.m to watch my with nail and i 
I highly recommend that if you are going to drink something, you either make it cider with ice chips in it, mm. gin, or whiskey, because those are mainly the things that they drink in this movie, or wine, or all of them. Yeah. And the characters in this movie are perpetually hungover throughout the whole thing. And so you kind of have to feel, you want to feel what they're going through. You don't have to be physically hungover. And I'm no longer getting hungover for with Nell and I, because I'm like, it's not worth it. I just like being dog tired. If, if that's I didn't have me, if I didn't have a kid, <coughs> I might. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm just like, nah. I'm just going to say one more addendum about this movie. I, I love this film. There are a couple parts of it, like, you know, that I. I, we're, we'll don't like we'll talk about I, I don't want to like spoil anything I'm just going to say that this movie has dimension to it um, and you should give it a shot yes absolutely yes. Um, find it at your local blockbuster <laughs> well I love blockbuster <laughs> and I love block blister Kelly I just want you to know that I love you as much as I love my fresh set of perfect perfect pink shoe things see i don't know the jimmy shoes she 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 did have a point i don't have a shoe brand like rolling off my tongue but yeah i'll I'll take jimmy shoes let's say that okay jimmy choose shoes (laughs) uh well i love you like i i love you like i miss going to blockbuster in 1999 (laughs) master bruce And this is where we will say a goodbye. Ryan and Kelly must bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to our review. Rate and subscribe, we'll even take a bribe. See you next week on a gentleman's guide. To rom-coms. I've got a cough drop. I've got a cough drop. I hope it's not distracting. Oh, nice. What flavor? Um, uh, it's hard to describe. Like, cough drop. You know that, like, winter breeze flavor? You know? Where it's like, this tastes like I'm in the Alps. So, like a mint? Mint flavor? But, but different. It's like lemon mint. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's got that... Um, like, like mint, menthol. Menthol. Feel. That's yeah. the one.